dumb fun. Somehow, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Musical the movie the podcast. Musical the movie the podcast. Musical the movie the podcast with Andy and Steph. Wow, Steph, here we are. I'm here where we are, are you? I, I'm I'm five years from now. Where are you? Oh, I'm I'm now in my oh, birthday no. month. Oh, yeah, no. it's it's I, February. Oh, did shit. we? Oh no. No, We're gonna I'm have in, to zigzag in, oh, back I'm, and forth. Yeah, I'm all the way in Trump's second term. Oh, um, so <laughs> oh, uh, so yeah, we'll have to meet in in I guess what's two and a half years for you. I mean, I remember it, of course. But uh, um, <laughs> oh, you already went there. How was yeah, it? Was it fun? Yeah, it was great. It was a fun time. Uh, Steph, <laughs> we're we're here. We're we're um still in the echoes of of La La Land as we watch um a kind of La La Landish movie, uh, in terms of the story as we talked on as we touched on last week. Um, called the last five years. I am thrilled. Can I before before we move on from La La Land? I do want to say something that I didn't get to say last week. Yeah, I love. That. Um, which is that uh, as soon as the movie was over, you used a word I've I've never heard you use before a Zoomer word. Uh, which is where you the the movie was over the 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 screen came back up and you said what a mid movie. <laughs> uh-huh. And then you looked up at the the Amazon Prime screen for it and you said. Yeah, 5.1. That's the exact rating that movie should have. And I said, sweetie, that is the Dolby surround sound in 5.1. It's also, it's also the exact rating that that movie should have. It's not my fault that it's both. It is both. You're not wrong. It did um, happen, though. But, uh, so yeah, we are here. I, I, let's, let's take one more second, too, to uh, shout out our new sponsor, Mountain Dew. <laughs> uh, it was just, we just had your birthday party, and uh, we did a, a Mountain Dew taste test of no less than 10 flavors of Dew. It was so much Mountain Dew that I was jittering fully 16 hours later. Like we, I woke we did up it. and yeah, we did, we did that do. We did that do. So if the good people at PepsiCo out there want to uh, sponsor our podcast, we uh, we welcome it. And if anyone in the Chicagoland area is like in need of Mountain Dew, please take some. We got some extra. What do you so want? Much here. The Christmas 2022 flavor, uh, Fruit Quake. We got it. What do you want? The orange flavor, live wire. What do you want? The Walmart exclusive flavor, frostbite. We got some extras, so uh, so hit us up. This All has right. been five minutes of our Mountain Dew podcast. Yep. Um, <laughs> well, let's talk about the last five years. Well, let's start with you. What is well, your relationship to this? Can I tell you something, Steph? I'm getting sick yeah. of that question. I think it's I think it's so clinical when we <laughs> when we ask what is your relationship. And granted. You're in nursing school. We have a doctor on the podcast today. There's nothing wrong with clinical, okay? I'm not trying to offend the little clinical snowflakes out there, okay? But what I what I, what I I am trying to say is I want to make it more, I don't know, conversational. So, so I guess I guess what I want to ask you, and I'll, I'll go ahead and spoil this. I have no relationship to this movie. I had never <laughs> heard of it before you started telling me about it. I had never seen it until we watched it. So I'm just going to start with you, and I'm going to ask you stuff. Do you fucks with the last five years? Um, yeah, I, 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 I done did fucks with the last five years. It's not Mountain Dew stuff. It could be Mountain. We gotta be serious about this. This isn't that Mountain Dew bullshit. The last five years is in me, pun intended. Uh, it is. So what's like, the pun there? 
uh, about the fucks and how it's oh, funny. Okay, because you do fucks with it. I'm really sorry. I was just talking about how I don't need to say that my mom shouldn't listen to this episode, but I, I really hope she's not. And if she <laughs> is, this might be a good bail point. She has no idea what the last five years is, your mom. <laughs> no, she's not gonna. This is, um, that's sort of part of it. It is, The Last Five Years is a musical that I first encountered when I was in high school. Uh, a couple of the, like, serious theater kids uh, were in a local production of Songs for a New World, which is oh, wow. com- the composer Jason Robert Brown's, his first big work. Yeah. Um, and also, like The Last Five Years, it's, like, a song cycle. And so... Um, uh, there were just sort of like a little cluster of us that started listening to these two soundtracks and falling in love with them. And I got really quickly obsessed. No, really um, quickly. I, of yeah. course, I know what a song cycle is because I'm smart. You were in theater. One of our guests today has written a musical. <laughs> they know what a song cycle is. Explain to all the dummies out there what a song cycle is. Absolutely. A song cycle is uh, a musical where it's instead of there being like, um, a narrative and and like dialogue and then and then a song that happens and then more and then something happens it's just like a series of songs and then through having uh like in in having all these songs like juxtaposed together the story comes out of that but it's not um but like structurally it's sort of like you're listening to an album or like a concept album so it's um, different than something that's sung through or like an like an opera yeah, um, because like in an opera, you'd have or um, or like uh, like Les Mis, Les Mis, a really good sure. example. There are all of these parts where like it's sort of um, moving the story forward, and and they're singing, but they're kind of just singing like this, where they stay on one note and they do a bunch of different rhythmically things. Like it's like that because um, it's just exposition singing. Yeah. Um, sure. Whereas this is these songs like are sort of a lot of them are like they're structured more like pop songs. Um, they're not, they're, like, experimenting with music in a way that, like, I'm sort of, part of it is that, like, I don't really know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, but they these are, this is sort of a pop-driven musical, I'll say that. Yeah, and it's, and, and like, part, it's, I don't really, because it's experimental. Like, that's part of it is that it's, like, it's very much playing with the form of what is a musical, like, what gets to count as a musical. Google simply um, calls it a set of related songs, often on a romantic theme intended to form a single musical entity. That's, Great. Let, can we just cut out everything that I <laughs> And hold for edit, and we're good. Okay. Um. So yeah, but but like for all of those reasons, it's really easy to listen to the soundtracks and feel like you're getting the whole story. Um. Yeah. Like all of the all of the emotion, all the characterization is like in it's in the text. Um. And so also like importantly, the the recording that I was listening to, and I think is maybe the well, I guess I don't know if it's the only one that exists, but. Um, it's the off-Broadway recording with Norbert Leo Butts, who, by the time we were listening, had, like, blown up as Fiero in Wicked. Um, and Sherry Renee Scott, who was fresh off her run as Amneris in Aida, which was... I Eat uh, Her? Yeah, that's right. That's that's what that musical is called. And um, so we were all just, like, fangirling at the performers on top of appreciating, like, the songs and the performances. 
So yeah, so it goes into the it like immediately goes into the rotation of music that I listen to, and I'm like I'm putting it into mixes next to Imogen Heath or whatever. Sure, what you say, etc. Cetera. Etc. Cetera. Um, and importantly, also this is all happening when I'm like sixteen to nineteen, uh, and trying to figure out how relationships work. Um, I'm watching my parents' very messy divorce happen trying to like make sense of how people can be so cruel to each other while also thinking that they love each other. And it's, it becomes the story that like I, that really helps me work through and process all of the trauma of seeing um, complicated dynamics happen in my own family. When you listen to the the soundtrack today, is it still that original off Broadway recording with um, Mr. Butts? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Um, I, yeah, I do. That is okay. the one that's like in, um, and Sherry Renee Brown, Sherry Renee Scott, Sherry Renee Scott, Sherry yeah. Renee Ellis Goldberry. That's right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so there are just a couple other things that I want to share, which is that, um, the first YouTube video that I ever watched was a bootleg of the off-Broadway last five years that, like, a friend of a friend was so excited. She was like, have you ever heard of this website? It's called YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> and people, like, put videos on and and they have all, and, like, and so it was, that was exciting. And it So is, this is truly, um, like, 2004 or 5? Uh, that conversation is, yeah, in, like, 2000, 2005, 2006. Okay. Um, and uh, also when the movie, when this movie comes out, I have just moved to Chicago, and so I got to see an early screening with uh, the director, Richard LaGravenese. I don't think it's that. He's not a dish at the macaroni grill. So I think it's LaGraveness, but I could be wrong. LaGraveness? Yeah. And then the last thing that I want to say is that in 2016, I very impulsively bought tickets bought a ticket to take myself to see the one night in concert benefit production um, where Cynthia Erivo played Kathy and Joshua Henry played Jamie and uh, Jason Robert Brown was uh, playing piano. And wow. I like flew my ass to New York, could not afford that stayed in a hostel. That is like, you know, like the, the $30 a night hostel, but I got to see this really cool performance and it was beautiful. It Joshua was just... Henry uh, played uh, Burr in Chicago Hamilton for yeah. a while, and he's he's someone who's probably going to be on the on the come up pretty soon. I think. I think he is at present, or maybe it just it didn't the that Beauty and the Beast thing just came out that I, that I did not watch, but he was guest. Oh, the the live one, the yeah, yeah, yeah. the on ABC, yeah, yeah. And so the Arivo yeah. is of course an, an Oscar nominee uh, for I think acting and writing a song for that for that movie uh, where she played. And she's also like at, at this moment recording the Wicked movie as well. Oh yeah. Real quick. Richard LaGravenese. Richard LaGravenese is what this <laughs> website is saying. Well, all right. Uh, okay. Well, Steph, do you think that's about the size of it, of, of the amounts to which you fucks with the last I, five years? Those are all of the ways, I think, in which I fucks with the last five years. <laughs> well, then what do you say we bring in our guests? <laughs> I would love that. All right. Why don't you start? Okay. Um. So our first guest... Uh, was a kid dancer. She was a stage manager. <laughs> She's been talking to me about the last five years since we were college roommates, and she is now a whole ass medical doctor. 
and not a pop singer. Her name is Dr. Megan Trainer. Welcome, Megan. Doctor. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm thrilled to have you. So excited to talk about the last five years. We also, we always have a, a, a theater guest and a comedy guest. The problem is our comedian guest this time is uh, someone who's very uh, steeped in the theater world as well and has written musicals and one-woman shows. But So you're our theater guest tonight, and how um, can you justify that? <laughs> um, how can I justify that? I think... Um, I probably could have been more of a theater kid. I was very insecure and shy. Probably a little Kathy-like, actually. Uh-huh. Uh, too shy to, like, audition for musicals and things in high school. Hence why I was the stage director and, like, stage directed, actually, for the school I taught at older. But I have, like, truly live and breathed musicals. Mostly classic ones. Um, Up until the time I actually really met Steph and we we're living together she introduced me to I think the modern era of musicals um, that's at college at, at the University of this Wisconsin. was in college beautiful yes. Madison Wisconsin beautiful Madison beautiful live there currently it's amazing <laughs> chef's um, kiss from our other guests <laughs> <laughs> and um I can sing every word of every wow. song in this musical probably um I have complex feelings uh now compared to when I was 19 and first discovered and was introduced to this this musical. So I'm just, I think I embody a theater kid who's maybe too shy to like really be in theater. I love that. What's what's one uh, play that you really remember stage managing? There was, it is the most obscure musical um, that we did our senior year called Mac and Mabel. And it Mac and me, is the E.T. Right Mac now. and Mabel. Oh, okay. <laughs> it is, um, it is, Truly about a doomed silent film uh, star based in reality um, and ultimately how she ends up doing drugs and gets really like and dies Um, a little bit Forrest Gumpy at the end where he's like talking to her tombstone. And I just remember this being the most bizarre experience because it was very much a concepty type. I want to be artsy for the teacher director who was like leading us. (laughs) And um, our good friend uh, Jennifer now Roche was Mabel and I love her dearly, but she was not made to play a drug addicted uh, <laughs> screen star. And it was just a very fever dreamy type few months of my life. <laughs> Everyone should look it up. By that you mean Jen's, Jen's kind of a, a straight lace gal. Yes. Yes. She would not be um, <laughs> okay. not be offended by saying that um, all her house would be beige if she had her choice. <laughs> a lot of it is. And it's lovely. It's so yeah. calming to be there. Well, uh, let me bring in our other guest. Uh, they're one of the leading stand-up comedians in, uh, in the country. Uh, they have a podcast with a friend of the show, Beckett Kenny, called The Big Finish. Uh, the uh, writer of uh, the musical Wife Material. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's Jamie Schreiner. Hey, I'm excited Hi, to Jamie. be back. Thanks for having me again. Hi. Of Thank course. you for coming back. Great that you're our first comedian return guest. Oh, the, I'm, I'm honored. I feel yeah. like it's the crossover that helps that be possible i feel like it's that you once casually mentioned to me that you liked the last five years and i was like hell yeah we're gonna be friends that's that's all it took also i've just like i've been like who what comedian am i gonna ask to watch this movie that no one's ever heard of and then (laughs) i was doing your podcast last week and you were like you popped off five minutes of great thoughts about the movie and i was like oh okay i'm gonna ask jamie to to, to, that's that's easy that's done i have some strong opinions but it's also just because it's like i mean i was saying to megan a little bit before and i think i said to you as well in the past andy and and stuff i'm sure at some point in time i've said this to you but 
I was familiar with the last five years because I actually was in Songs for a New World. I forgot as I was talking about it. I did do Songs for a New World in high school. And I sang, I know that I sang the Santa song and I sang the I'm Not Afraid of Anything song, which I don't think, I don't think those are normally the same person is supposed to do both those songs, but they, they gave me both those songs. Oh, sure, sure, sure. And then, um, yeah. And then all the girls in show choir started singing Kathy songs for like every, for every recital. It would be somebody (laughs) like. I remember like back to back, like somebody did summer in Ohio, somebody did climbing uphill, somebody did still hurting. And I was like, we are 17. Like we cannot (laughs) be doing still hurting. Like this is not it. And then I also, I guess like since we're talking last five years, I also in college. So there's this girl in college, her name's Madison. I love her dearly, very talented actress, but we were always up for all of the same roles. Like we were both up for Jeannie and hair. I got that one. And then basically all the other ones she got. Like, we were both up for Paulette and Legally Blonde. She got Paulette. I was the understudy. And we both went up for Kathy, and she got Kathy. So it's like, that is, it's still one of my one that got away shows. I would have loved. I don't think it's too late for me to be Kathy in in the show by any means, but that's one that I listen to, and I'm like, I would love to be Kathy in that show. It's just. I was, truly, we were talking about this, and, like, after we had booked you, I started, like, picturing or uh, like hearing you singing Kathy songs and I was like oh let's do that I don't know how we can do that but let's do like I think you'd be fantastic that is, the I first thing it. I said was after I said that I got you for the podcast was that Steph was like oh she, that's actually in her range she'd be a great Kathy <laughs> I was like thank you yeah. yeah no I was the I was the uh like basically the understudy but I yeah I didn't get to be Kathy that's okay though I mean it's it's never too late I think that I probably have another 10 to 15 years that I could play that part. <laughs> Did you get to do one of the other parts? I'm just kidding. Well, I know it's only two parts. <laughs> the last five years was never like a main stage show, but we had a lot of like student run independent productions. And so somebody basically decided to do the last five years as like a senior project. And so my that friend Madison right. was Kathy. And then my friend Jeffrey was Jamie. I actually play, play Jamie every day because that's... Mine. <laughs> that's my name so that's uh no but um, and you are a published writer who's quite arrogant so. oh, thank you. <laughs> steph was um telling me that people who like the last five years it's almost like a shorthand of like a deeper level of theater nerd uh i would I, say it's a shibboleth that way yeah 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 i kind of think it's like um sort of what you said is that i it's a it's a a musical that that like spawned a lot of audition songs yeah yes and it is it's um very it's musically challenging it is a great choice to show off like what you can do and like as a corollary to that watching people sing these songs and do them really well always like inevitably makes me be like oh wow you're great it was such an audition song show that like when i was in college all all of Jason Roberts Brown songs were on the do not do for auditions list. And it's like, that's, and, and, and it was from a place of like, what my music director in college said was like, not only are the songs so done that it's like, even if you do it well, it's like people kind of tune out yeah. as soon as they hear that. But also like, you never know how skilled the pianist in your audition is going to be. And the, and the piano parts are so complicated. Like you so, don't want to walk mm-hmm. in and have somebody who is fucking it up and ruins your audition. So that's, I'm going to go ahead and drop my first piece of uh, trivia for my notes here, which is that, so Jason Robert Brown is in this movie as her audition pianist. And uh, he sort of has a lot of trouble 
re- reading the piano parts, and that's apparently a reference to the fact that uh, people hate when you bring Jason Robert Brown songs in for auditions because it's very <laughs> difficult to sight read. And so he's sort of making, he's taking the piss out of himself a little bit there. Oh, I love that. Love no, that. I remember. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, because I, I saw that and I didn't know why they do yeah. that, but that's fun. And isn't Sherry, Sherry Renee Scott she at the is. casting table? She's <gasps> the, that was lovely woman. <laughs> I know. I was just like, that was lovely, Sherry. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no Norbert Leo butts, though. Wait. No butts. It's a PG-13 movie. <laughs> no butts. They, we get one fuck. A single that, yes. fuck, and they use it. I do think they use it well, but there are other times where then they have to change words. Yeah, and I'm like, friggin' random house. That's yeah. what you'd say there. Yeah. How do you how do you fucks with this movie, Megan? How do you fucks with the with the last five um, years? I was introduced to it by you, Steph, as my modern musical like introductory person. So I think it started. Initially, the progression was like we went to see Rent together, and I think Norbert Leo Butts was the new uh, Roger in that one uh-huh. once it came out, like on Broadway. And then you introduced me to Aida, Chad Sherry, Renee Scott. And then I actually went to Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, which had both of them. And then the last five years. And it is like the perfect length of an album to like listen to it from Madison to where I was like grew up in Milwaukee. Oh. And I would just drive and sing along and um also at 19 never having been in a serious relationship at any point or understanding what goes into that I was just enthralled with the romance of it and the angst and so yeah that's how I came to the last five years oh and I did see it in person at Madison which is why I'd asked um I believe I don't think you went with me stuff I think I did maybe you did I th- it was like there. I remember there was like a big crew of us, and I remember yeah. it was one of the first times that I saw something, and I like consciously had the thought of you can't compare live performances to like the Broadway soundtrack that you know. Yes. Like you have to like hold and think of them as different things. Yes, and it was like the yeah. first time that I remember like actively thinking that in real time. It was really interesting, though, like, I guess watching it on screen versus being in person, the experience and what I think it's supposed to be conveying is so entirely different. Like, it's unable to be captured in film. So, like, (laughs) it feels like you are locked in this dark room for their marriage counseling sessions, like, where (laughs) they are each talking to their therapist. Like, that's what it feels (laughs) like, and it's incredibly intimate, whereas... In the movie, you know, we'll talk about they're out and about and they're doing things. They have phone calls. And I'm like, no, this <laughs> is it just like that uh, connection to them does not translate. Jamie, did we uh, did, did you have anything left about as far as the, how you fucked with the last five years? It's a it's a cycle of songs that I come back to a lot just because like it really does like beautifully embody the heart of like what can go right and what can go wrong in a relationship. I think that's why. I think that's why the film does cheapen it to to some degree because it's like you have like these amorphous individuals in this very usually very intimate space kind of just laying everything out on the line like feelings of love and feelings of heartbreak you know depending on which part of the story your average character and they only come together in the same space two times and the first time they're like actually aware of each other's existence but the other time they're existing in like it, it's showing the like the missed connection of it, 
mm-hmm. in a way that just like you just can't it, it's like you just can't compete with live theater and i know that that's the theater yes. community but it's like it's just never gonna be the same as as the way it feels to see it live it's see, just yeah. yeah whereas the movie buff in me is like there's got to be a way to figure this out there's got and, and like i don't know if this was it necessarily but okay. there's gotta be I would like to submit um, a question to the panel, which is, I'd like us to, what do we think about the way that they recorded live, the the singing live? And, like, does that have an effect on getting that kind of intimacy? Let me explain, because I always like to explain to our non-theater literate uh, people like me. That singing <laughs> singing live just means that the music wasn't pre-recorded. They, they just sang everything live and they recorded it there on the day in the environment. That's all. Um, yeah, and then that, and I think that um, Jason Robert Brown was like was there as their studio pianist, like playing into their ears so they could have oh, the yeah. playback. Um, and I, so I guess where I would start is just saying like that reads to me as an attempt to kind of get back some of that intimacy, mm. and it succeeds sometimes and not other times. <laughs> I agree. I think that yeah. for me. The the sets as well, and like these mm. crazy locations, it overcomplicates something that was just a chair and maybe <laughs> like a fence or a door. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, like maybe like a clock on the wall. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. It. I, I love I love like summer in Ohio. I like that they. This is the example I give. Like I love how they tried to have the cute nods to like the true theater buffs of like them making her too tan to be in West Side Story and all that, like the shit that you see them do at Summer Stock Theaters. Mm-hmm. I loved that, but it just felt like it was like putting a hat on a hat. Like that song is her sitting in a chair <laughs> writing a letter. And it's also mm-hmm. like, because we set it at a time where you don't like fucking write letters anymore. You call somebody up on the phone or you um, send a text or an email. It, it just, a lot of the things that worked on stage were just weird in that context Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. oh no i think about like they did this moment i guess we'll get to it with the like theater dancers in the middle of like new york city and i was like no stop like you're either in the theater and you're intimate and this and they wouldn't be dancers anyways or you're in new york city and i need you to pick a lane because this is very distressing (laughs) to me that's interesting megan i didn't even think about that but you're right i think that's during moving too fast yeah, uh, I, the, I have it written a, down. Because yeah, I didn't yeah, even think sorry. about that. That is the one point where there's like choreography in the movie, and there's not really choreography just, other than that. Yeah. Very distracting. Yeah, there were so many moments where their inability to like coalesce this theater experience into like a movie experience that they did. They made very bizarre choices, and it just pulled me right out of what is supposed mm-hmm. to be a super connected, intimate experience. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then part of it is the other side of that for me, which is I was telling stuff that like during um, uh, CM smiling, like there's these lyrics that are like, we're sitting on a pier, we're in Ohio. And it's like, oh, these are things you don't necessarily have to do in a movie because we can see that you're sitting in a pier in Ohio. But like if you're doing a two person show with a in a black box theater, you have to say we're sitting on a pier. Yeah. But it's just these relics of, of the, the two person show of it all. Yeah. And then the effect in the movie is that we the the viewer i was gonna say we the listener which is a funny slip up but we the viewer are like yeah you're sitting on a pier in ohio yeah like, yeah i saw the fucking move camp on. like <laughs> camp counselor sign of your right. show it's like i <laughs> yeah. get it yeah yeah i just I, I i can't help but wonder like why they couldn't have 
done it like Cats 1992, where they just brought really, really high-tech camcorders into a black box theater and just filmed the fucking show. Um, or like done anything with film with like a film language to like you don't have to be showing me Jamie's side of the conversation there. If if like the song is just one side of a conversation, like you can have Jeremy Jordan sitting on that pier and like we can see that his mouth is moving, but like I don't have to listen to it. Like yeah. I think yeah. I, I guess like to articulate what you're saying, I agree with you. I feel like the issue with the film versus the the musical is that they tried to give it a a literal like plot-based yes. film film feel it needed a music video feel hmm. yes yeah they would have done a song it, cycle it's a song cycle it needed to feel like a music video rather <laughs> yes. than a, a, a serious film that's listeners not that music videos aren't serious but music videos they leave room for like allegory metaphor like it, and no, nothing has to be literal and like we're we're sitting in a peer like it 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 allows for more of like artistic creative license i think Yes. Than yeah. a literal film. We're, we're going to dive a little more into it, but um, uh, what if I start talking about sort of how we got here? Yeah. Um, here, I'm, I'm into renaming our segments. How, what if we call this segment VH1's Behind the Musical? <laughs> uh, what if, um, just to build on that, what if we call it, um, I don't know, what's something that's not VH1? What's something that still exists? <laughs> I, I don't Does know. Does VH1 but I, not exist? Well, in what meaningful way? <laughs> There's this thing called YouTube where they put videos on. <laughs> Have you heard? It's called YouTube. <laughs> also, YouTube. Steph, I love, I can tell that you come from corporate culture because you take a man's shitty idea and to make him feel like his idea is not shitty, you go, uh, to backpack off that, uh, here's, a, here's a better <laughs> idea. So in 1995, uh, we start with Jason Robert Brown. He's a young composer, lyricist, playwright, and he puts on uh, the show we talked about earlier, Songs for the New World. And it's directed by a young lady named Daisy Prince. Does that mean anything to anybody? Well, oh, since Steph knows the story. Yeah, well, her, her dad is Hal Prince, the director of Cats, the director of Sweeney Todd, a, a, a venerated uh, uh, Broadway director. And she introduces Jason to her dad, and he hires Jason to write the score for a musical called Parade, which gets Jason Robert Brown his first Tony for Best Original Score. Uh, so then he's on top of the world, he has this Tony, and he decides that he wants to put up a two-person show about his failed first marriage to Teresa O'Neill. <laughs> What's the big eye roll, Megan? I just, I mean, I, now, at 36, compared to, like, where I was at 19, I really truly believe that despite many interviews i went back and read that jason robert brown is jamie and is a narcissist and (laughs) um the idea that you would write an entire musical about your divorce and like i may be stealing your thunder like feel like your ex-wife is not gonna have a problem with it and then be upset when she (laughs) does like i just i have like a little internal loathing for him yeah, so that that is what happens is that she does have a problem with it. Her his ex wife <laughs> sues him on the grounds that the story uh, of the musical violated non disparagement and non disclosure agreements within their divorce by representing her relationship with Brown too closely. He in turn countersues her for interfering with his creative work and his creative process. Like, can't you just see Jamie and Kathy messy bitches? <laughs> yeah, these suits. Uh, and so as part of the legal settlement for both suits, he removes all references to the character being Irish Catholic. 
And he changes the song, I Could Be In Love With Someone Like You, to Shiksa Goddess in order to reduce the similarities between Kathy and his ex-wife. I would like to insert here that um, they, so so the original run is in um, Skokie, Illinois. Beautiful. About eight miles down the road from where Steph and I are right now. It starts at the North uh, Bright, the North Light Theater in Skokie, Illinois. During the pandemic, when they did all those like, um, everyone's at home and so let's do Zoom things, they did a little like Zoom reunion of Norbert Leo Butts and then the woman who was original, Kathy, and he sings that song. The, the like original version of um, oh. I could be in love with someone like you. Um, and then somewhere there's like, and it is, it is just like very explicitly like, I love an Irish lass. <laughs> Her oh name's Teresa God. O'Neill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there was never any like legal recourse for the song being undug. Uh, if there was, it's they're they're right. now also older and having have worked through a lot of their yeah. shit. <laughs> I would yeah. say I want to believe that Teresa went through a lot of therapy if she was Kathy and has actively chosen for her own welfare just to say I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that I want that. For I her. I pray for that for her. I can't be it, and I was thinking like, oh, maybe she's an actress like Kathy too. And so I went to click on her name on Wikipedia, and you can't click on it. I mean, she I tried get... to be. I looked her up. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say I get I get suing him a little bit, but I also just uh the show makes her look awesome and makes Jamie yeah. look like a piece of shit. Like I I just I guess I get suing him if you feel like he's making money off of your story and you're not getting anything for it, perhaps. Was that the the intention behind it? But I don't I, think it was. It was It was for violating terms of their divorce in terms yeah. of they wouldn't publicly disparage each other and, and apparently a non-disclosure aspect of their divorce, yeah. which is I weird. get yeah. non-disclosure. Okay, non-disclosure I get, but disparaging is where I feel confused. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like Kathy's that bitch in the like show. You've married I, a writer and yeah. divorced a writer. It's sort of on you. Um, I don't know. I... I would rename this musical when two people with personality disorders get married. Um, And like, I don't think Kathy really comes out as like, I think she's not as bad as Jamie, but she doesn't come out like I'm badass Kathy and I'm rocking this world. She comes out as dependent personality disorder at best and like borderline personality (laughs) disorder at worst, whereas he's narcissistic personality disorder. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. She definitely, yeah, I agree. I wonder how much of that is like, in a second edit, he's gone back. He's say, okay, I have a court order to make this musical nicer <laughs> to my ex-wife. And then, then like, and then does that and like really like puts in some some of uh, some more of her perspective. Because I I and I I don't know that. I don't know what you know the original text looks like. So suffice to say that this like we said, this movie, this musical, rather, the stage musical goes up. In May of 2001 in beautiful Skokie, Illinois. And it's up for about two and a half months there. And then it goes off Broadway for about three months in 2002, directed by Daisy Prince. And as far as I can tell, that is its only major stage runs until a revival in 2013. And this movie's in 2014. So, like, truly, this is, like, like, it seems like this is a thing that theater people just whispered about for a long time. And that that's why no one's really heard. I mean, there's a major direct reference to this musical in Hamilton. And, and like, I was so excited when we, I, I have like not told you about that for years. And I was so excited when we got there and you were like, wait, is that, it's like the same thing. That's what yeah. he said. Wait, like, yeah. remind me, I did not put two and two together. 
Nobody needs to know. <gasps> yeah. Oh my god, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Okay. So yeah, Lynn it's... is a nerd like us. I the... am for sure. And when that happened, when I first, because I listened to Hamilton before I got to see Hamilton, and when I say see Hamilton, I've never seen Hamilton live. I've watched the <laughs> Disney Plus, but um, well, actually no, I watched the bootleg on YouTube sure. of Hamilton before the Disney Plus came YouTube? out. YouTube, the YouTube. I've watched I watched so many bootlegs <laughs> on YouTube. YouTube. I think as far as live musicals. The one that I was adamant about going to see in the way that Steph was adamant about last five years and didn't know how I was going to do it and didn't know how I was going to afford it was Hades Town. But um, <gasps> back on did topic, you see Hades Town. I did see Hades Town. Oh my god! It okay, was, we're going to talk about that later. We'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. That was incredible. <laughs> but um, no, I do think Hamilton. He does. Lynn does that a lot, and of course he's going to reference the last mm-hmm. five years because he's got to leave the, the the eggs for the nerds because the nerds love Lynn Manuel. Everybody else is looking at mm-hmm. Lynn Manuel like we're tired of your shit, and we're like. We live. We live for nobody needs to know at the end of the say no but, to this. But like, it's just so amazing to me that this thing was seemed to be on stage for about five months total in 2001 and 2002. And that like, it's, it's just taken off since wildfire as a, as a sort of cult classic of the theater community. I wonder if it's because it's just cheap to put on and you need only two good people in your community. Like, you don't need yeah. a whole cast. You're like, I need one woman yeah. and one male yeah. identifying person, and this is where we're at. <laughs> Black um, stage. <laughs> so I just want to go on to say that the movie is written and directed by Richard Lagrevenese, uh, the the writer. He, he's the writer of Fisher King, Bridges Madison County, The Horse Whisperer, uh, and the writer-director of P.S. I Love You. I have no idea how he gets this, why he gets this, why who funds it or any of that stuff because there's no logos of note at the beginning of this movie. There's a weird logo that I had to look up and that is for, and I have no idea how to pronounce this, uh, Shikaboom. Uh, Shikaboom. I think, is, I think that's it. Is a production company that makes this movie and I looked it up. It is a record label with the mission of bridging the gap between pop music and theater. Uh, and they've released a bunch of Broadway recordings, including Book of, Book of Mormon. And it was founded by Kurt Deutsch, who is the founder, who is one of the producers of this movie, and Sherry Renee Scott, who is uh, the off-Broadway originator of Kathy and uh, cameos in this movie. And they are the founders of Shikaboom uh, Records, which produced this movie, apparently. Um, this movie is shot in 21 days. Done. Principal photography. They sing 11 of the 14 songs live. And it has a $2 million budget, and it makes it the box office. I've never seen this number on Box Office Mojo before. $145,000. It's never on more than 36 screens nationwide. And for, you know, comparison, Les Mis, when it came out the year before, was on 2,800 screens. I want to, I feel really good about renting this on Amazon because, like, I feel like I'm doing my part for the theater now, (laughs) knowing that they made so little. Yeah, they, like, they upped their percentage of gross because you rented it on Amazon. Those three dollars well spent. I paid a fifteen dollar ticket for that screening with La Gravenese, and like that's probably you know point zero zero one percent of their gross. I did pirate it. Um, Jonathan, <laughs> I just want to read a quote from Jonathan Romney from the Observer because I feel like it touches on a lot of things that we've already said. Uh, he says it's not as cinematically confident as it might be. Uh, the director isn't always the most imaginative at providing visual settings. Before adding, this does feel like an organic film rather than a show forced into movie glad rags, which I do agree. Um, And then he goes on to say uh, he found the songs unfailingly sharp, though one or two take on clunky rock colorings. 
Even then, they're only as bad as, say, Billy Joel on one of his better days. <laughs> and my favorite part about that is that Jason Robert Brown said that Sweeney Todd and Sunday in the Park with George were two, his two biggest influences in general. And had it not been for them, he would have tried to be Billy Joel. <laughs> Man, I so, I've never... That, that is very, like, Jason, he lives in the middle of the Venn diagram between of Broadway and Billy, Billy, Joel. Billy Joel and Stephen Sondheim. Of Broadway right and Long middle. Island. It yeah. also so speaks to, like, he is Jamie. Like, if I wasn't a Tony <laughs> Award winning Broadway, you know, composer, I would obviously be Billy Joel. I only <laughs> expected it 10 years later, you know. <laughs> I'd probably just be yeah. one of the most renowned musicians of all time. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be. Um, well, uh, Jeff, should we jump into the, uh, the plot of this thing? And oh, boy, plot's such a weird word because this is, like you said, a song cycle. I'm starting to, I'm starting to okay. feel it more in my bones, the feeling of song cycle, because it's not a, it's not necessarily a plotted thing. It's like, this happens in this song, this happens in this song. Uh-huh. And we, so, okay, a thing that we have not even, I think, talked about explicitly in this recording so far is that as a song cycle, it fucks with the timeline of their relationship. So, yeah. so just as a little, yeah. like, overview before we go in, um, I've written my summary, like, as just, like, this is this is the song, and this is what happens, and this is the song, and this is what happens. And it's, like, there are a couple times in the movie where they play with that and, and like, draw out a transition or two, um, but for the most part, it sticks to that, uh, that structure pretty tightly, and um, the structure of the show is that Kathy tells her story um backwards to forward so if we think of like the five years kathy goes five four three two one and jamie goes one two three four five and they meet in the middle at their wedding and um so the songs like are are jumping back and forth from timeline to timeline and and the like also the effect of that is that in the be- like at the ends the the like polar extremes we have the biggest amount of time between them. Like we're taking like the biggest time jumps. And then as we get more toward the middle, it's sort of like quickly pinging back and forth. So uh, you gotta, I I just, everyone who is listening to this has to promise me that you're going to go listen to the soundtrack (laughs) when it's done. Cause it's really important that you get, um, I think the, the music that is underplaying all of this. So we opened are pretty good. I'll, I'll say that as a, as a, sort of broadly thing like we've they're we've, like top billy joel level we're coming from la la <laughs> we're coming from la la land where the song i find the songs to be kind of disappointing uh mm-hmm. you know along with the other pesic and paul musical and literally after the second song in this musical i turned to you and said see i, I can, i'm ready to continue being mad at pesic and paul because it's not that hard to write a bop <laughs> it's not that hard to write a bop it's really it's not that hard to write a bop and i feel like even though, you know, he's probably a, the, the toxic narcissist that he wrote to be Jamie. Bops. Still hurting. Yeah. Like, right? Literally, oh. he, wrote, he wrote a song about him getting on with his life and his wife being in pain and despair. <laughs> that just but, cuts to the core it of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like he wrote this song that like is right. The, the idea of it is this like extreme narcissism. But also he pulls it off and like the people who who consume this musical empathize with that. Oh, man. Just okay. So that's the song. So um, so we open with these just heartbreaking piano chords 
and uh, the song is called Still Hurting. Kathy sings it. Kathy, played by Anna Kendrick, has just read a breakup note from her husband, Jamie, played by Jeremy Jordan. The camera pans through their very typical 2000s New York City brownstone. Uh, if there's a, an extremely blue wash light over everything. Yeah, you say we haven't done that. Well, we actually open with is five minutes of you and me messing with our TV settings to see like, <laughs> wait, what's, what's wrong with the contrast? Why can't I see yeah. it? What's going on? And it's because, like, truly, <laughs> it's because they, the beginning and end of this movie are like, they, it looks like I said it. They kept saying it looks like Harry Potter Seven. Like everything is like <laughs> yeah. has this blue tint over it. You know? Oh yeah. my gosh! It's, it's very wild. Twilight. Very Twilight. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Which I don't know if that came out at this point. Oh, I think we're like deep in Twilight. Yeah. We're damn near Breaking Dawn. <laughs> Kathy is singing about how Jamie is a free spirit and he has flitted on to his next adventure, while she is once again left in his wake, still hurting. So this song is slow. The way that they have blocked it is that Anna Kendrick is just going to sit and not move at all. And I don't understand that choice, but that's the choice that they made. They're going to have all the movement be like with the camera and she's just going to sing there and she does sing it well. Like it's a it's a hard song and she does pull it off. And then rather than like use any of those three to four minutes to do this action, they're going to like insert silence at the end and like draw it out so that the only piece of action that she does happens after she's done singing. Why? She did nothing for a whole song. Why are you adding more nothing? I was so I had about it, right so many <laughs> feelings about her nothingness. I was like, I get she's depressed. I get that clinically you could have psychomotor slowing. You're slow. But then she'd be in bed covered in popcorn and cereal and singing this song <laughs> while she wept into her pillow. So like, what are you doing? And also when you get to like, she just sits there, like she's blank, right? Like there was very, other than tears, very little motion. I would not have been surprised if she pulled out a gun after taking her like <laughs> ring off, like she was going to murder someone. Like then I could, like, I could see that being the choice you make of silence. Then you're all of a sudden like with the and coloring. Instead, the movie like, is widows. Instead yeah. Of yeah. I don't, <laughs> but like none of it made sense. This is, it's a lot for an opening number this is not what i think of as a typical opening number Mm -hmm. um and and if they had maybe done half of this song as just sort of a you know doomy overture you know i'm I'm, not to call back to your last episode again jamie but like a sort of a there was a barber and his wife like that if they had just Mm -hmm. done like enough of this to be an omen then that would have been but this is like sort of a, a weird slow way to open the musical but it does i mean Granted, this musical is going to be bleak sometimes, and we may as well dump you right into it. I don't know. Lyrically, at the end, the last thing she says, that wouldn't change the fact, that wouldn't speed the time. Like She knows at some point in time she's going to move on. She's just not there yet. So it's not yeah. depressed in the bed. So why are, we, why are we making... I just don't understand why we're making that choice. That's not... Yeah. It's not in the words. Like It's literally just not in the no. words she's singing, the choice that they yeah. picked. All of the music and all of the words is like it when it feels like she's like wringing out her emotion, mm-hmm. like and it's like that she's like wailing, mm-hmm. and 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 like and then and that's when like the music is calls for her to be wailing, and like right instead she's just a little Blank. bored. Yeah, yeah. This was the first moment I realized in the song too where 
I just wanted to yell at the screen a little bit because, like, they portray it as though it's a person. And she says, like, you know, covered in scars, I did nothing to earn. And she is a terrible communicator. And I think that, what is it, Nora Ephron writes, you know, in Harry Met Sally, marriages don't break up on account of infidelity. It's a symptom of the problem. Like, there's like, no, but, like, you did. And let's, you're so close to, like, mm-hmm. actually having a productive yeah. relationship. Mm-hmm. Oh, and she just sits there. And she's she no action. Um, she's still yeah, hurting. I mean, that's she's still hurting. And then... maybe that's all the director understood. <laughs> They're like, I got the title. Yeah, and no, no, guys, I got this one. Um, so from there, uh, we have this drawn out fade <laughs> instead of a hard smash piano cut. Um, we got a a, a slow drawn out fade to Shiksa Goddess which is Jamie's first song. It is the, like, end of their first date. They are fully making out as they tumble into Kathy's studio apartment. Uh, her hair is longer and everything is warm now, and I think that that's how we're supposed to know that, like, we're in a different time period. Um, like, the light is warm now, I mean. Um, and Jamie uh, breaks up their kiss to tell her all about how she is saving him from a life of every Jewish trope that you can think of. <laughs> and it's okay that he's saying all this because he's Jewish, I guess. Uh, and somewhere in the song, there's like a flash to um, this like abstract stage space. And so we see Jamie interacting with all of these various Jewish girls that he's dated. Um, and we get like a mid-beat smash cut back to the apartment. Um, and I actually really like this choice. I, it's like this understanding that his storytelling is just so vivid that it takes you there. And like, yeah, like, I don't hate any of this. It, it, remind, it feels like yeah. the music video feel that you were talking about, Jamie. Yeah, exactly. I agree. My only issue with this song is that like the choice to be initiating sex at the moment that he's talking about his mom and his grandma. <laughs> and she's still like super into it. Like you could have done... More of, like, up the stairs to the apartment. We're getting there. But, like, straight up, her tits are about to come out. And he's talking about his mom and his grandma. And, like, I guess personally, if you're if I'm supposed to take this as real people and not the vignettes and the intimate, like, theater thing, like, that would be a bit odd. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Like, they do so much work to anchor us in these really real <laughs> feeling spaces but then these really surreal yeah. feeling things are happening and it just like pulls yeah. you apart. Yeah. I want to rag on this dude for beat for talking this much about his Judaism when he's like 19 years old. But like, I probably talked that much about my Catholicism when I was 19 years old. So. <laughs> yeah. I, um, there are a couple lines here that I feel like could, could use a, a 2020s rewrite. Um, but other than that, like a lot of this does really read to me as like, yeah, the shit that a 19-year-old thinks. Yeah. Yeah. Importantly, he's like 23, but but same. But still, a 23-year-old is going to sing a song about how he is the most desirable Jew to everyone in every family <laughs> in New York City. And let me tell you about every, you know, family that's been trying to recruit me. So the song ends with uh, their, like, goodbye kiss making out on the steps. And... I wrote this in all caps. Why are you using the powerful musical end to the song to pan up a building? It's like they kiss and it's like, and that whole thing is just like, this is what the outside of Kathy's building. It's red brick. 
I wonder very if, big into the New York buildings. Yeah, that's true. And I also wonder if part of it is because if they were to stay on them, then it would sort of spoil, it would go into um, the Indian song, which takes, yeah. takes it from that shot. So I did realize on my which is not third like nothing viewing, happens. which was our, right, right. like I did realize that they're they're they are coming, they're using it to come back to it. But like, man, there are so many better ways to execute that that d- wouldn't have involved you having to like use your emotional high note. I feel like we all head. have like one big innocuous directorial choice that really pissed us <laughs> off, and I can't <laughs> wait to get to mine. I can't wait to find all of them. <laughs> We're now at a lake. We're in Ohio. There's a big sign that tells us this um the light is now bluish but there's green i don't know i'm gonna stop talking about this because also this is the point where like they also forget about the light <laughs> yeah thing. they pretty much <laughs> well, just put like, every they put they, they pick at the beginning and the end and harry potter lighting and then everything else is just kind of normal and then everything else is just kind of normal um so kathy and jamie are sitting together on a pier kathy sings about her fledgling optimism about their relationship, which is clearly faltering. Um, it's Kathy's song, so she's singing, and Jamie is sort of just there and, like, inserting little mumbles um, until the song turns into a fight, at which point he just says his part of the fight with words. Um, they're fighting because Jamie is leaving Kathy on her birthday, missing her show uh, in the middle of this very tense time in their relationship. To go to some random house event, and Kathy is very reasonably upset about this. And I just, the line here is, I swear to God, I'll never understand, but you can stand there straight and tall and see I'm crying and not say anything at all. And I think that that is just Kathy, like, that's her whole, that, that's Kathy. <laughs> that's that's Kathy in a sentence. Yeah, I that, I don't know. This is a weird, I've, 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 had, I've had an ex say that to me before, of like, like, how can you it's it's just weird when people think that the fact that they're crying by itself uh-huh. means um that they deserve something in that moment uh, does that okay. make sense counterpoint it absolutely does counterpoint this is her husband i mean yeah and also i do want to be clear like, that when you say some random house of it you don't mean an odd house party you mean random no, house. yeah i mean ran- his publisher <laughs> his, is the publisher yeah, random yeah, house okay. and there's yeah. a there's an event for his publisher yeah i just think it's like it, it comes back to what megan was saying in terms of like at at best anxious attachment style dependency issues at worst yeah. borderline personality disorder i do think um i do think that like the see i'm crying and not doing anything at all could be used manipulatively at times but i do think in this context and i think the thing is it's like i think that probably like because relationships are give and take i feel like there are instances where like jamie is putting his career first in a way that is like understandable and she gets upset Mm -hmm. and then he's just like gotten to the point now where it's like she's getting upset with good means but he doesn't care anymore because she gets upset anytime he tries to do anything And I think yeah, it is yes. that, like, it is that uneven situation where it's, like, he's always going to be thinking about his career and himself and putting himself first because he has narcissistic tendencies. And she's always going to be saying, why are you not showing up for me enough because she has codependency issues? So it's like... What about yeah. me, Jamie? Yeah. But also, we'll get to this in future songs. She clearly lays out, like, all you have to do is love me. I want to do all these things for you. I've historically given up my life for other people. You know, like, she, mm-hmm. she's, like, so close to understanding her problem. 
Um, Andy, if I can ask you a question. So I watched this with my husband who has no musical theater background. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's the line in the part where she says, like, so you can play with your little girlfriends. Again, I told you I can sing like every line of these this musical. He was like, oh, I'll be really interested to see how this jealousy angle plays out, if it's real or if it's just in her head. And I didn't know if like, so like, I am not an unbiased watcher of this movie. Like, I kind of hate both of them, but I hate Jamie Moore. I'm very open about that. So like, what was your experience of like hearing, you know, seeing Kathy being a little bit splitty, a little bit all or nothing, a little bit unreasonable? Well, it's a, for some good reason. It's a bummer because I mean Anna Kendrick, she's you know she's our scrappy little nobody. You know she's she's someone who we have come to to expect uh, positivity from, and she starts this movie in such a bummer place for her first. I mean, literally after the fourth song, I turned to Steph and I was like, "And I can't wait for an hour from now when he has to sing all the sad songs and she gets <laughs> to do all the bops." You know. <laughs> um but yeah i and i so you know a spoiler is that we're gonna learn later that he is cheating on her very much and that he is probably leaving her to go bang around with his editor um but we don't know that yet at the time we all we know is that she's jealous um and it's sort of hard to get a read on it because you're getting i mean i think this is very intentional on the part of the narrative is that we're only getting this one side of it at this point and it's not until later that we're going to get this other side. I mean, that's something that I think we got to mark as a success in the part of this, this at least the, the the story in the play, if not the movie, is that, uh, yeah, you, you you really don't know. And the, and that I think Justin's reaction to that is, is, is like, you know, kind of justified is that, that, you know, she is justified in her jealousy, you know, and we just don't know that yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the way that she throws that out is not very constructive, but she's also just hurting. She's an open wound at that point, you know, yeah. as, as we'll learn. So I don't know. Did I answer your question at all? You did. No, okay. that was super helpful. My only other question was for actual, like more theater people. I hated the sign that they used to set this song in Ohio at a theater. <laughs> uh-huh. Like it looks like summer camp, like arts and crafts this way and archery this way. But it's like, I don't know, lists of Shakespeare plays. Oh, it is summer stock. Is that a real thing that like, yeah, is a part of yeah. summer theaters? Yeah. I'd say, <laughs> I was just going to so say, sad. yeah, summer, summer stock is like, it makes me laugh because in hindsight, in college, I wanted so badly to get cast in Summerstock. Like that was the that was like a rite of passage, and I never got hired by a singer a single Summerstock theater because you have to be able to be in seven different musicals, and at least three of them are like classic musicals. You have to be able to like sing, dance incredibly. It like you're not gonna get cast if you're not a dancer in Summerstock theater, unless you're like over thirty and can like play all the mom roles in five different shows but like (laughs) because it's these like small town theaters like out in the woods that it's like usually these communities this is their only access to theater for the whole year is just going to these five musicals during the summer they try to do them as quickly as possible as cheaply as possible it absolutely does have that vibe the sign is like triggering to me more than like insincere (laughs) because i've seen some just real stinky summer stock shows that like because my friends would get summer stock gigs and i would be like oh if it's close enough to me i'll come support you and i would just be like it's like you're getting paid minimum wage to do community theater is basically what it is Uh it sounds like what you're saying is that megan's uh kid dancer credit would not uh take her very far (laughs) in these castings unfortunately i could tap 
but that would be about it. Okay, right. Steph's making you out like you're a little JoJo Siwa. No, no, no. Do not have her thighs. <laughs> <laughs> the jumping thing. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay. Let's leave well, Ohio. From let's let's get the fuck out of Ohio for now. <laughs> uh, so it is now a hard cut, but there's it's again a silent cut. I don't. Okay, I guess I do want. It. So the thing is that in the soundtrack, the off Broadway soundtrack, part of the reason that it's so nice to listen to it as a song cycle is that there are all of these just beautiful transitions between the songs that like carry you through not just like musically but they're often like what you need emotionally to get over that transition Hmm. like it's sort of like there'll be something really sweet and then it'll sort of like die down and be like just a little bit of a pause and then a crashing piano chord because you're about to move into like a big poppy number and it like that jolt is sort of like is on purpose because you the viewer need to like understand all of the back and forth of the emotions that are happening that the characters are going through um and anyway that's not something that we get in this movie <laughs> so we, we just get silent cuts that go to a different scene to one-sided phone calls <laughs> I, I just think it goes back to the music video thing like it, i yes the person i would compare it to is like if anybody is familiar with this is like a vastly different genre and style but like tear whack whack world how Basically, if you haven't seen it, if you go look it up on YouTube after this, she's an artist who she made an album. It's a 15 minute long album and each song is like TikTok sound length. So every song is 30 seconds to a minute long. And in the music video, each song seamlessly transitions from one to the next and like the sets seamlessly transition from one to the next. And I think that that is what this needed to do and it didn't do it. I don't know why they have these long fucking pauses. That's my directorial thing that I'm pissed about. Why? Why the pauses? I think it why the pauses? It just fucks up the whole Amen. thing. Uh, but now we're on a different pier. Uh, we're back in New York City. Jamie takes a call from a number that he doesn't know because it's 2009. <laughs> uh, and he finds out that Random House is buying his manuscript. Uh, Jeremy Jordan. So all the one-sided calls in this do are rough. But Jeremy Jordan sells this one-sided call. Like, I am right there with him. And I am so excited for Jamie to have, like, got this agent. It is good. Can I talk about Jeremy Jordan for just one second, though? Yeah. So I I guess what I want to do, what I want to open with is apologizing to To this man man, uh, from uh, of La La Land, uh, uh, Ryan, um, one of the Ryans. Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. I want to apologize to Ryan Gosling because we talked a lot last week about how Emma Stone has so much charisma. (laughs) And Ryan Gosling, I think, actually does a really good job of keeping up with her. Um, Jeremy Jordan is really cute in this movie. He's he's doing fine. He's doing fine. But Anna Kendrick is one of the most charismatic people to ever live. And I think it's very hard for him to match that. Um, Interesting. I was thinking a lot about how I would have liked to see Andrew Garfield here because I think he has he has just that extra step of charisma and he doesn't have that sort of theater shininess that that Jeremy Jordan has. Oh, man. Okay. okay. I'm going to keep thinking about that. Okay. So uh, he calls Kathy. He says, I've been thinking about what you said. And yes, let's move in together. And then he moves into singing Moving Too Fast, uh, which is he bikes through the city to his meeting with an agent <laughs> who says he's like a young Jonathan Franzen, which is very funny to me. Uh, 
We see them celebrating moving in together. We get a little cutscene of Kathy's failing search to find an agent. So we have the little A-B of their career trajectories. Um, and then we watch them moving into the same brownstone from the opening. The song rounds out with Jamie getting a shiny person haircut, which is just very funny to me. I don't know why. Um, and... This is where we get that fun little sequence of, like, he's all shiny now and walking down the street in Manhattan to his editor's office and, like, all of the people sort of, like, circling around him and then, like, move and step to him and there's, like, light choreo. Yeah, light. Uh, My ass. It reminds me, I mean, this is next week's episode, but it reminds me of the uh, I Want You, She's So Heavy uh, choreo from Across the Universe. Okay, this whole time we've been talking about the music videos and I've been not, but we're talking about Across the Universe next time, which is exactly that. Yeah. So, what a great AB. Um, Well, so this one ends with him meeting his editor, right? That's Mm -hmm. right. He, um, He ends with him walking into Random House where there are a bunch of hot girls, including a secretary and an editor. The secretary is his real-life wife, by the way. Um, And then the editor, and this is the unfortunate uh, truth about film language, is I saw that editor was, like, a young, hot woman. And I sort of, like, to Steph, was like, who's that editor? Like, in real life, (laughs) an editor could be a young, hot woman, and that's fine. But in movie language, that means there's going to be some trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Did anyone else in this song notice the, like, jostly camera movements there were like slight like zoom in zoom outs or like slight like it would go down and back up and i was like is this supposed to be like is this intentional like this is a home like home movie like this is their real relationship or did you just like not invest in good cameras in your 21 days (laughs) i mean again it's a two million dollar budget and this movie it happens less than 150,000 frequently actually this was the first song and then like the last ten minutes is very disorienting oh, when you actually yeah, look yeah, at the yeah. camera work. So, so I didn't know if I feel like they do a lot of um like not knowing how to make their not not getting movement like through the blocking or through something else, and they're like, okay, we're just gonna have that's how we're gonna like put energy into this is that we're gonna have the camera moving all the yeah. time. My my least yeah. favorite directorial choice is at the end here when he meets his editor. For some reason, we go handheld. And we follow him into the office and then we continue. It's all one shot and it continues being handheld and then goes out the window and just sort of looks at New York City. And I'm like, oh, where's this going to go? And then it just fades to the next shot. And I'm like, why? 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 Maybe they had an idea. They're like, oh, we don't have the budget to like get this together. So I guess we'll just leave it. Yeah. I know. The next song is uh, a part of that, which is a Kathy song. And um, they do a little jump here to like a very fancy book party. And so that's how we know that we're on the different timeline. Now it's, you know, obviously been a few years because they're all established and everyone looks richer. Um, and Kathy's song, uh, it starts as sort of like a like an interview. Like she's recounting to a bunch of fangirls what it's like to be married to Jamie um, and we get just a little moment of the two of them at home to see, like, what it's actually like when they're both working in parallel. Um, and she takes a picture of him. And it's very, like, I, we can see that, like, she is getting some satisfaction out of, like, being there while he's writing. Um, and then, uh, but mostly this is a song about how even, even though it's all the Jamie show, she's still a part of that, doesn't she? Isn't she? It's just heartbreaking. Yeah. The choice to make this like interviews is 
um it's giving narcissist (laughs) yes yes exactly it's when you think about it written from like jason r brown's perspective and he's a part of this whole movie development too like it's every song including even kathy's are about him like his songs are about him kathy's songs are about him i Uh wrote down she is this she is so dependent not codependent because he would not care if she fell off a bridge like that's what i wrote down after this song like you were just like an amoeba clasping onto him yes 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 it it is really true that he he doesn't have a bunch of songs about her like her her he kind of has the opening his his first song is about her and then that's it and all but like even that opening is about isn't about her it's, it's about how she's not the thing that it's <laughs> like it's about him it's yeah. about what that's how like she kind of is what he wants i listen back he does not say so her song starts jamie is over jamie is gone the next one jamie is screamed many times he does not say her name until like towards the end of moving too fast if you actually just listen to the music interesting <sighs> again like <laughs> Just want to scream at Kathy. But that's no. kind of the thing. It's like I feel like at this point you start to see like okay, I understand how you came together. I understand how like Kathy wanted someone that she could admire and lose herself in, and Jamie wanted someone who could admire him and, and drink him, lost in him. Yeah, yeah, and, right. And so and like I feel like we see this part, and you're like, yeah, like even even when we're here towards the middle, when like they are supposedly at their best or their strongest. Like, it's just, it's not, there's nothing it's under The truth is, we're yeah. still a ways away from the middle, so we gotta move on. <laughs> so, after this, we go to the Shmuel song. Um, it's a new scene. Kathy is uh, getting home upset and grumbly after a terrible shift uh, bartending, which, like, is the most relatable feeling to me of just, like, you you are coming home after a long, any kind of shift work, and, like, your partner just wants to, like, bubble at you about what they've been working on all day, and you're just like, I would like to just sit on the couch, please. Not, this is not... Yeah, not taken. Uh, <laughs> it's really not about that, though. I, like, it's more about the shift work thing, yeah. and then... Jamie's like, no, I've been working on this all day, like a child. So you have to sit through my skit. Yeah, but the but it is a cute skit. God, um, skit is the he... perfect word for that. Like he just spent <laughs> all day working on this little skit for her. Um, and he tells her the story of the Shmuel song. Jeremy Jordan shines again. Uh, it is the story of a a simple story about how taking your time for your passion is the key to unlocking a long and happy life. And it ends with Jamie giving Kathy a watch and telling her how much he believes in her and that she just needs to take her time and she'll figure it out. Um, This is the first Jamie story where we don't flash away in some way to, like, a super surreal moment. So, like, we just stay with them in their real perspective. Um, And the song's great. I want to say that. The song's really fun. Yeah. It starts to go on a little long, and then right when I'm starting to feel that, uh, Anna Kendrick says, it's a little long. <laughs> I do feel like she brings some improvisational energy and some like self-awareness energy to this thing. That's things like that. But also something I want to say really quickly is that one of the sort of hottest wrestlers in the world right now is this guy, Sami Zayn. And he is having all these interactions on WWE TV with a, a Jewish manager named Paul Heyman who keeps calling him Shmuel and Shmuley. And now <laughs> I am never not going to see him and not think, la, 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 da, 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 oh, yeah. Shmuley. Yeah, anything else about Shmuel? 
it's uh, terrible camera work in this song too weird <laughs> angles zooms in and out but it really is jamie's shining moment honestly like i could that, nitpick that what he like the fact that he tells her what she needs for her career um and to feel <laughs> fulfilled i could nitpick that but truly this is probably the best you're gonna get with jamie he's just like look i got you headshots you need to do more auditions you need to do more because- auditions because she hasn't been doing that already. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, that's exactly the thing. Like, what she needs is help supporting her to, like, yeah, she does need to get to more auditions. And, like, as a partner supporting her, he probably does need to be, like, hey, like, how can I help you do this? Instead of just saying, go, do more. Yeah. But then also, how can she go do more when he's the one at home writing? Somebody has to go fucking work. Somebody has to bartend. Or who's cleaning the house? Who's doing the dishes? The mental load is probably still falling on her. Again, I'm sorry. I, you can cut all of that out. I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> yeah. No. And it's like, but also, like, I mean, I don't know how much you make when Random House buys your manuscript, but it's got to be enough where your girlfriend doesn't have to bartend, or your wife doesn't have to bartend. Right. right? Yes, yeah. girlfriend at this point, right? importantly. Importantly. So uh, now we're going to jump forward to Kathy's time. We're back in Ohio. Um, and now in order to take, make the song literal, Kathy is singing to Jamie over FaceTime, like you would, instead of writing a letter. Um, the song is a summer in Ohio. It's, uh, so like that FaceTime is juxtaposed with like a little dance rehearsal. And this is Anna Kendrick finally gets to like. Do a bop. Be shiny. And, uh, we don't have to keep pretending like she's not a movie star. Like we, we get to see her just like do her thing it's great um yeah it's a great i song. love how this song shows us that like she is actually talented um and also even in doing that it's still all about jamie literally the whole song is just like oh this guy's hitting on me but i love you so much jamie and i'm in these shows but all i do is miss you all day all i do is miss you and oh, yeah. just, oh it pisses me off so bad yeah um, so from Ohio, now we go to the one transition that I approve of. They do get this one. They, they do this one well. Beautiful Central um, Park. The, beautiful Central Park. It, the song is the next 10 minutes. Jamie and Kathy are walking through Central Park. They stop at a gazebo to be romantic. Jamie proposes. They finally sing in duet. And then at the end of the song, they marry. It's extremely sweet. Like, saccharine sweet. Um... And uh, the camera is doing a lot of that same movement stuff here, just a lot of it. And at the end, it sort of does this like giant sweep up and around and goes back to the start of the song. So we get Kathy's perspective now um, to show how this is like the moment when their timelines are are crossing. I also I'll, I'll say that as a newbie to this uh, play that this I was so excited for them to meet in the middle. And yet this whole thing's a, a little sleepy to me and it feels like not much happens. It's a very emotional song, um, but it's, it feels like I could have used a little more energy in some way. I'm not sure how that is. I mean, it is. It is it's just like a sweet song. Um, yeah. My only thing was, one, I actually really did not like Anna Kendrick's makeup in this. She looked really sallow. Mm. I think they needed to consider that. But did they also think they would save money on not having a chuppah? The whole thing is that he is Jewish and there is no chuppah. He is not wearing a yarmulke. Like, there was nothing. I think the Central Park gazebo acts as a chuppah. The actual wedding is just, like, uncovered. 
It was oh, okay. very, I was like, wait, what? What? Like, there's a whole song. About how important his Judaism is to his family yes. and him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, unless he really wanted to stomp it. on his mother's heart after breaking it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's just one yeah. of the ones that it's just, to me, will always be better live. Like, I think that they, yeah. they executed it as well as they could, given the the medium. But it's just, it's just not going to beat seeing it live. So, from here, we do get an- another transition that works because they give us that sort of hard thing. Um, we get that jarring move from the Sweet Strings to uh, Jamie telling his friends about how hard it is to be hot once you're married. <laughs> just too hard. We see him yeah. trying to re- resist temptation. Uh, and then the sequence ends with him walking into Random House office and the secretary is just wearing a bra. And uh, then there's a little mid-song jump to Kathy auditioning uh, her audition song, which is a song of the movie, or in the show, which is called When You Come Home to Me. Another song about how all she needs is for her love to come home. Uh Uh, And then we cap out back to Jamie, uh, back to talking about how hard it is to be married, with him, like, staring at the hot editor and uh, sending a call from Kathy to voicemail. He also, there's a hot woman who has a manuscript that wants him to read it, and that's uh, the film debut of Laura Harrier, who plays uh, Liz in uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. I, I think she also which shows is, up as one of the people he sleeps with later. She does, yeah. Later Person number yeah. two. Which is funny because that's like yeah. fully two years later in the narrative, which oh, means yeah. that he has been like dangling yeah. this woman for however yeah. long. <laughs> I mean, this song really like solidifies him as a horrible human being. Like the line, like, I shouldn't care what she thinks since I can't touch her anyways, meaning I only care what a woman thinks if I can grab her tits. Like, yeah. uh-huh. oh, yeah. Jamie. <laughs> Yeah. Don't you said the quiet part out loud. It it truly is a moment where Jamie's character takes a turn. Okay, and another one too where like if this was him singing out his inner monologue, like if this is like we see him going and he's just like thinking to himself how hard it is, that's one thing. But when it's him like actively saying this shit to friends and like at a strip club, that's like another level of grossness above. Yeah. Which is definitely a choice on the part of right, like, yeah. like we saved money on the bra for the secretary, so we're going to pay to rent <laughs> out this strip club and film here. Like, yeah, it could have just yeah. been an inner monologue. It could have just been yeah. a music video. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, no, I but think like, you're yeah, right. You could have done, you have all of these tools. Like, that's the thing that drives me nuts. If this was a, sh- you don't, you can't do cool film shit when you're doing a musical. I mean, like, or you can, but it's really hard and like, becomes a whole different yeah. technical thing. Like you could do all of those things here. You could have this be an inner monologue. And yet. What do you mean they save money on the bra for the secretary? Oh, I it mean, looks it's like just a target fabric. cotton bra. That's my yeah, target cheap bra, <laughs> let less okay. fabric that if they were making me. it themselves. <laughs> How does it make you feel that it's his wife? Better or his worse? Is it better or worse? I feel more uncomfortable, but I don't know if it's better or worse. <laughs> Maybe she got her SAG card. Oh, maybe. Ooh, that'd be great for her. Lines. Yeah. That makes me like it more. Um, so after this, we go to the song Climbing Uphill, which is uh, sort of back to warm-toned Kathy and singing her audition song again, over and over again. Um, but now it's upbeat instead of slow and sweet. 
Um, and now when she sings, we do get her in her monologue. Um, this is where we have Jason Robert Brown playing her accompanist and messing up. Yeah. Also, this is, I mean, this is Anna Kendrick getting to do a lot of charming. She's doing this great audition where she is ostensibly auditioning by singing, but what she's really singing is all of her thoughts about how bad the audition is going. Uh, and it's great. There's a, a lyric here where she says, why am I working so hard? These are the people who cast Russell Crowe in a musical, which I'm realizing is like hot reference because Les Mis is yeah. 2012 and this is 2014. This is apparently Jason Robert Brown says he's not sure who made that change, but he thinks it was Anna Kendrick uh, who suggested <laughs> it. And oh, the funny. original lyric is uh, these are the people who cast Linda Blair in a musical, which refers to Linda Blair's one time playing Rizzo in Greece, uh, which apparently was uh, sort of a, I don't know, I'm going to call it a, a Beanie Feldstein-ish uh, failure. Wow. <laughs> you did Poor not Beanie. have to drag Beanie that way. Well, I mean, I can't I say anything more than just, Beanie, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Russell Crowe, the Russell Crowe line is chef's kiss. Cause yeah, that yeah. is rough. Yeah, is. That is rough to listen to. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I guess that's all this yeah. song. All, I, all I'm going to say is it, it, it's hard for me to objectively look at how good or bad it is. Cause it is my favorite song in the show. Just cause it's so relatable mm-hmm. as anybody who's ever I... auditioned and tried to do theater. It's just perfect. Yeah. It's great. I think this is one. Of, this is definitely one of my favorites, and it and it is also because like it does that thing of like bringing you in so close to her perspective, um, and like I don't know. Also, it's just funny. Yeah. Like I don't. I yeah. It's Anna Kendrick getting to be a um, scrappy little nobody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then so also then um, we see her going to one of Jamie's readings and it's like a much smaller reading because we're back earlier in the timeline so he's like closer to being a nobody um and she closes it out at that reading by just again stating her whole sort of thesis which is i will not be the girl who gets asked how it feels to be trotting along at the genius's heels aka the thing that we like now know that she's going to become this is also when i turned to you this when we watched it this morning and said how good Anna Kendrick is at smiling and it looks genuine in the moment, but like you can tell how much is happening under that smile and how she's really dealing with a lot of conflicting emotions. But she, but like, it looks in the, like if you were, if she gave you that smile, you'd be like, Oh hell yeah. Anna Kendrick smiled at me, but like she's so good as an actress. Yeah. yeah. It's showing us that there is actually, she's actually really going through it right now. Um, And then we move back to the future. Which we know because we can't see anything. Um, <laughs> That's right. And we're back in that David Yates are, lighting, yeah. Yeah. Um, we are in their apartment. They are dressed up and they're fighting about how much Kathy hates doing this thing that she's always said that she's hated, which is going and being his little prop at a party. Um, and Jamie assumes that the problem is actually that she's upset about her career. And so he sings, If I Didn't Believe in You which is a song that's all about how much he believes in her, but also how much he feels dragged down by the fact that she's not content with his success. This is like if Regina George had a song to Janice Ian, like, you're just jealous of me because I'm so pretty. (laughs) (laughs) She's so in love with me. Oh, That's really funny. I was really expecting in this song to find out, like, what Anna Kendrick's damage was. And, like, are we to take what he says as gospel or not? I think I think not. I think it's 
I've always said it as, like, very much... Well, okay. This is the one time where I'm very glad that we get to see both of them because we do get to see Kathy's face react when Jamie says, I will not fail so you can be comfortable and I will not lose because you can't win. And we see her be like, that's what you fucking think. Like, and so I think that gives me more faith that this is him, like, processing his very limited perspective. I loved that Anna Kendrick moment, that face, where you could Mm. tell she was Mm -hmm. like, fuck this shit. Like, Mm -hmm. nope. And then Mm -hmm. they threw in the choice of adding a little bit of, like, pseudo-physical violence, like, just to trigger some more people in the world, which was a little bit of an interesting choice. Um, Because I don't see Jamie as, like, physically violent, more, like, emotionally manipulative, gaslighty. I don't... I didn't write down and don't remember what the movie transition is, but I do like the the juxtaposition of these two songs. This the next song, which is "I Can Do Better Than That," which is Kathy like singing, Kathy bringing home Jamie home for the first time and singing all about like it's it's sort of her Shiksa goddess. It's all the life that she narrowly yeah. escaped, um, and how she is completely enamored of Jamie, um, and then like we having seen this fight, having known all the music, like, we can see how she is just about to throw herself into this relationship and lose herself. Mm-hmm. Um, She's all young. He's driving in a convertible. You can tell they're not singing live here because they're in a convertible and that would be impossible. Uh, but... <laughs> She's she's uh she's wearing a, a what I call a Rhoda bandana because it looks like Rhoda from the Mary Tyler Moore show, uh, and that's like that's like a that's like our our cue that she's younger here. Mm-hmm. She's wearing a Rhoda bandana. Um, the only other thing that I want to talk about this song is that it ends with them rolling up to uh her parents' house and her parents are like standing uh on the front step watching them and rather than like wave to them or get out of the car or acknowledge them at all they like continue to make out in the front seat yeah, for a they're minute. like necking <laughs> as a parent it's i was just, like yeah, they're fully no. necking. <laughs> they're fully necking yeah no also clearly no seatbelts. like these people are dying Damn. on that drive like when he <laughs> looks away as he continuously is like, that would have saved us mm-hmm. so much time if they had died on that drive. <laughs> and just, where do you think Jamie got that car from? The advance, I guess? This is the I first guess? time I've thought about it. The, the random house advance? I don't book advance yet because she asks him to move in with her and uh, then later yeah. he responds after oh. that. So he's just like a poor Columbia dropout at this point. Maybe he stole it. Or it's just like <laughs> old money. Maybe he's just old money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could see that for him. <laughs> You hate this motherfucker. I really do. I mean, <laughs> I love that we're getting this like processing it all. Oh. I just it's perfect. And and for the record, I used to fangirl this like Norbert Leo Butts. Like I thought he was I, the most so... wonderful, supportive, loving partner. And I think this is because when you're socialized in America as a you know a traditional girl like you in a suburb you are told that like emote drama and emotional pull is like what makes a relationship romantic and mm-hmm. like it's not actually that's what makes relationships dysfunctional and not sustainable <laughs> but like you don't know that yet and like that's Kathy I think this is why like I think it's totally true for the age that they're at at this point like 23 maybe 24 or so and 
as they grow, they see the cracks. It's just that they happen to get married in the middle of it and, like, make that commitment that's kind of actually the fucked up choice. Like, they could have just broken up like normal human beings and been grateful for the experience (laughs) that they learned from, you know, but they got married in the middle of it. I wrote at the end of this that um, if we, if this were an Am I the Asshole that, like, someone sent to my group text and was like, hey, what do you guys think of this? It would be, like... No, but break up. <laughs> like no one. Like, like you're just wrong? just don't be together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. everyone sucks here. Just, just yeah. everyone sucks here. Please break up. Not your best self. Moving on. I do wonder. Yeah. You know, this sort of got me wondering that, like, if I had had money during some of my most fucked up relationships, would I like would I have gotten married? Like, is that all that was stopping me? like, from getting married in a worse relationship like they do, you know, because they sort of make the decision to move in and get married and all this stuff when he gets his book advance, right? Yeah. It's That's like, true. Yeah, he likes, he's just, just, like, riding that wave. Yep. And when you don't have to worry about all that other shit, maybe you're just like, oh, let's force this into working. Then. <laughs> I should be super grateful for my student loans is what I'm learning. Like, my, my poverty should be. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, wow. Well, this is a great time to talk about uh, our, our last solo song, which it's Blue Light. We're in the Brownstone, so you know it's at the end. Uh, it's Nobody Needs to Know. Jamie is singing naked in bed to a woman who is not Kathy. Yeah. In fact, it's it's he? Laura Harrier. In fact, it's his real world life. Oh, yeah. She's um, there, too. He, he Look, he bangs all of them yeah, in this song. He, he, right, right. We find out that, like, actually, he's just been banging all of them the whole time. Yeah. Uh, he is tormented inside and fucking a bunch of women on the outside while Kathy is in Ohio. That's the song. Uh, Jamie knows that he is purposely destroying everything that they've built together. And this is, like, the song that he sings to himself to reconcile, like, what he's doing and his torment about that. Um, And then then the end of it is that rather than process all of this, he's just going to blindly throw himself into another relationship with his editor. (laughs) That's that's his out. Um, and this has a, a so having loved this musical for the better part of the last 20 years, I have also hated this line for the better part of the last 20 years, which is take me inside you. I promise I won't lie to you. Oh. Woof. Woof. Like, it's got to be one thing if he's sitting there saying it and saying this is what they said. It's another thing completely when he's, like, looking another woman in the eyes and saying that this is what she said. (laughs) Yeah. I felt like the lighting was very murdery again. I feel like going back to, like, (laughs) the very first song, like, I would not have been surprised if if there was some sort of, like, murder-suicide after this. Like, the way they staged it with the darkness and that physical, like, pounding Uh of the bench and the tears of Elise, the editor, and... It like was just Dexter very, it one. was jarring. It took me out mm-hmm. of like what, you know, the progression is supposed to be. Um, yeah. I also, in my I Hate Jamie uh, trend was like, is he actually upset at his behavior? Or is he just upset because they probably didn't have a prenup? Mm. <laughs> like just. And then does, I was like, at least she'll get alimony. <laughs> does he write a second book that we know of? We don't know. I don't think we know in the timeline of the show, no. He seems like he'd be coasting off the one. I mean, it does really seem like he's going to write about this breakup and have a, yeah, a sleeper head. I was going to say, I mean, yeah, I think his second book is literally the musical The Last it's Five The Last years. Five Years. <laughs> <laughs> because Jamie is Jason Robert Brown, so. Well, let's put a bow on it. 
So, uh, back to Kathy's old apartment. Uh, we're now panning down. This is, like, the other side of that kiss that we talked about before at the end of Chicks of Goddess. Um, and now it's the end of the kiss, and Kathy sings goodbye until tomorrow because she can see that they're going to be a thing. And she has found her way to the edge of this precipice. And it's 2008, uh, and then... so so he's walking away in cargo shorts <laughs> and a loose-fitting T-shirt. And she is with like a, a button up over yeah, it. And she is standing there in a not a surf V neck. I did not know they made not a surf V neck shirts, but apparently they did. <laughs> and now the young Kathy is finishing her verse outside of their brownstone while older Jamie is writing the breakup letter inside over her shoulder. You know, I, I didn't have a problem and... with any of the way that they staged this finale. I really liked where you see in the house him writing and it's clearly that blue lighting inside the house only uh-huh. and then the way that he walks past her on the brownstone like i i, I didn't i didn't hate any of that stuff yeah i i, wrote, yeah, I was like, like wait why is she climbing these stairs where is she going she, yeah. she doesn't know this place exists yeah. and then <laughs> and then when they panned um, up it could have come full circle if they would have had like the old lady on the uh-huh, top floor uh-huh. and then come down randomly like oh yeah. the old lady book which is it. also <laughs> the um the score does like do that little loop very nicely so like i did i thought that they were maybe gonna like get into that a little bit yeah um so the song shifts to i could never rescue you and jamie sings what a what a concept what i know i know it's just it's right there my only comment is Uh, fuck you (laughs) (laughs) uh and then he walks outside with his suitcase they sing their goodbyes together. Jamie walks out of the frame in one direction. Young Kathy just kind of disappears. And then older Kathy walks in from the other side. That's it. That's her movie. But there's this great shot of, of old him looking at young her. Yeah. And sort of yeah. singing that this is the person that she's leaving. It, it really does. It's it's effective for me. Like it's, you know, but for better or for worse, that's the person from five years ago. And she's that same person today. Um, but, but, you know, she doesn't know that all this stuff's going to happen. And she, and she's just looking at him with all the, all the hope in the world in her eyes. It's, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it, I, I think that works. Yeah. It's it was great. If they would have had a better reason to walk up the stairs, like that, yeah. I'd be on board. <laughs> I just, I want, I want so many different choices so that it's more enjoyable to watch what I think ultimately are like pretty good performances of these characters, yeah. but like. And just a, a weird a weird little package. Um, yeah. Well, then let's let's uh, move on to uh, our, our final segment here, where we talk about what it would be like to remake this. I haven't come up with a new name for this segment yet. Um, we're gonna call <laughs> it uh, re, uh, re, uh, reboot um, the musical, um, and uh, and sort of what it would look like to remake this again. This movie was made just a mere nine years ago, uh, but. Uh, Megan, you came in hot with the fact that you had some casting choices that you would have made. I, so who's watched White Lotus season two? Steph and I have. <gasps> yes. Okay. Has. All right. So Megan Fahey. Oh, yeah. The uh, wife of the douchebag. Yeah. She actually love, has love. done some Broadway. I think she could play older Kathy so well. And yeah. she could um, play younger Kathy really well, too. And then I wanted to pair her with someone who could be older, but maybe more embrace more of the goofy Jamie that's supposed to start. 
And I actually chose Keegan-Michael Key. Wow. Um, because Ooh. I think he's done, obviously, like, Schmigadoon and all that stuff. I think the two of them, they do play slightly older than the 23, but could go younger. And I think it would really, like, he'd be able to embrace, like, the more likable aspects of Jamie. And she would be able to embrace both the broken but powerful aspects of, like, Kathy. So these are my thoughts. We may have to CGI yeah. some hair onto him or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, any more thoughts, uh, Jamie? Any thoughts on people that you'd like to see do this, or or even thoughts of like again, your your thing is make them all music videos. Do you think on that respect that Shiksa Goddess is like the most well executed part of this like movie? Yeah, I think okay. more more like Shiksa Goddess. And honestly, like I feel like anybody like any two people could be in these roles if they make it more like a music video. Like, I'm interested to see, like, even more unique choices. Like, yeah. I want random, obscure yeah. people is how I feel about it. Yeah. At one point, I wondered, like, what it would be like if they shot this, like, peep show where all of uh, uh, Kathy's scenes take place directly from Jamie's points of view, you know? But <laughs> they, they're not always singing to each other, so that doesn't exactly work. Um, but there is something about like how they don't need, you know, there, there, I had at one point I was thinking about what it would be like to just do a split screen as straight up a split screen and like, mm-hmm. uh, and they're never really on each other's screens or maybe they come over to each other's. I don't know. It's all too conceptual. Could you frame I, it in a couple's counseling? Like this is everything <laughs> oh. they're telling their couple's counselor. That is. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's independent and together. Really? I just think. That Jeremy Robert uh, Brown needs to go to counseling. (laughs) Well, maybe he presumably has. It's been a few years. I was just going to say I would love to play more with not seeing the other person during each other's songs. Or like just getting like sort of an impression of them. Because so much of it is that like hyper individualized perspective where like you're really not considering your partner. I would like that to be represented a little bit yeah. more. Visually. And instead they go overboard, like the things where yeah. she is um, video chatting with him and there's just all these little shots of him going, ooh, or wow, <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. It's exactly. like, okay, we don't, calm down, buddy. Yeah, exactly. Well, then we come down to our, for our final feature here. Uh, and that is, uh, you guys know this, whenever they re- remake a musical, they add one song in to try and win that best original song Oscar, um, which... I think in our household, we are rooting for RRR to take this year at the Oscars. Um, but uh, that being said, uh, so when we, when they remake this version of it with Keegan-Michael Key and Megan Fahey, um, I wanted to write a new song to add into it. And I, I don't know, I, I guess this would be, let's call it post-credits. This is, this is our post-credits uh, song, because it's sort of like, the, this is the idea I came up with, is um, the next five years. What are the next five years like for uh, Kathy and Jamie? This is a duet. Steph did it with me. Uh, it, it was recorded about an hour ago. Uh, and, uh, and so it's obviously going to be very polished and ready to go. Um, but let's go right into it. Uh, this is the next five years for the last five years on Musical the Movie the Podcast. <laughs> One year since he left and I am living my best life I'm in my 20s hot and doing art I'm no one's wife I've done some traveling and it's all been very zen 
backpacked Jamaica and fucked one of the Baja men. I can't believe I thought a family was what I need. I thank my Christian God I never bore that little twerp seed. My tarot card reader said Kathy's time was due. Last week I played a mangled corpse on Five years since I left and things are going great. I don't have anyone, so there's no one to hate. Since my divorce memoir put me in, quote, book jail, I <laughs> took this job as caretaker of an off-season hotel. I should have stayed with Kathy and just had some kids. Then I'd at least be dad to more than these two weird ghost twins. Sure, she was sad sometimes, but now I'm just like, so? I haven't seen her since we boned 2.5 years ago. The elevator's full of blood again, so gotta run. Jamie's having fun. was a huge mistake but it was nice to not be alone it was a mutual friend's birthday it took a turn we assured all our friends we'd be cool but we weren't we fought in stage whispers which you know led to sex i said i'd call her but i told him not to even text it was nice closure. Yeah, but then she disappeared. It was mostly weird. One year since I left and my whole life's ahead of me. Five years since he left and I'm actually still pretty happy. I shacked up with my editor for like three months. I'm dating a 23-year-old. Everything's going great Yeah, it's all still just swell And most of all, I'll never kill folks at an old hotel Divorce is hard, but you have to go your own way Plus, I think I might be gay Alright, there it is, the next five years uh, <laughs> musical, the movie, A little turn the for Jamie and Kathy Yeah, a little turn for Jamie, uh, you know Jamie, for some reason, becomes Jack Torrance in The Shining, um, and Kathy is fine. <laughs> and that's pretty much how it goes. It's fine. Uh, yeah. So uh, just a, a quick note that, as always, the only place you can find these songs we do here on the podcast is at our Patreon, patreon.com slash dumbfun, which uh, is the Patreon home for Musical, the movie, the podcast, Fanny Falls, Demon Hunter, and 30 Characters, uh, which just celebrated our 50th studio episode with Sarah Shockey uh, doing a whole bunch of weird shit uh, and a Patreon exclusive episode with, with Sarah Shockey just just went up on the Patreon uh, so uh, yeah Jamie let's go to you since your laptop might be about to die um, is there anything you'd like to plug uh, I was just going to say that if you live in the Chicagoland area I am going to be recording my first album at the Color Club on May 4th so that's going to wow. be um, like I, it, it's February 4th when we're recording this 
So that is, I'm not good at math, but I think that's three or four months from the date we're recording today that I'm going to be recording. So, Jamie, I'm literally putting this in my calendar. Ah! I have finals that week and I don't care. I will be there. <laughs> oh, thank you. No, I think it's a Thursday. We're going to have a 7 o'clock show and a 9.30 show. Um, and you're doing songs and everything? Songs and yeah, jokes? Yeah, songs and jokes. Songs and jokes. Oh, what are you doing? Live band? Recordings? What's the plan? I think I'm doing tracks is the plan. Love tracks it. are the plan. Um, there's only 50 tickets per show, two shows. So I am hoping to sell out both shows just because it's recording. And uh, if you're lame, don't come. But if you're cool and you're going to laugh at everything <laughs> and make my special sound really good, then come. Yeah, Love that's it. how I feel. Thank you. Uh, Megan, what about you? Oh, Lord. Um, so as someone who just rewatched a musical, which really centers on really terrible communication um, amongst people who love each other, and as a palliative care doctor, I will plug advanced care planning. Please talk to your loved ones Ooh. about your wishes if you were to be really, really sick um, so that just your end of life isn't fucked up. Dark way right. to put it, but oh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Steph and I'll have a dark conversation after this. Uh, <laughs> Steph? I want to plug therapy. Just to build off of what Megan said. I want to plug going to therapy and not assuming the worst about your partner. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, I'll, I'll plug... Uh, um, here's what I'll say. March 3rd and 4th, I'll be in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, doing um, the Roast of 90s Music, where I'll be Garth Brooks. March 5th will be a roast in Chicago. I don't know what it'll be yet, but roast uh, co-founder and originator Tyler Jackson will be on that show. It'll be a great time. Uh, and the 11th after that, the week a- the weekend after that, I'll be at Paper Machete. And I'm um, uh, not allowed to say who's going to be there, but you should come. Um, there's uh, uh, You should come. I'll just say that. Uh, you guys, thank you so much for being here, for talking for approximately five years about the last five years. Uh, Thank you so much. This is a we did outlast the length of the movie. Uh, (laughs) um, uh, uh, Two of our favorite people. We're so glad we could have you here. Uh, And for the listener, we'll be back in two weeks to uh, discuss what I'm on record as being my least favorite movie of all time across the universe. It's my birthday month. I made him do it. It's one of my top five. Julie Tamar's Across yes. the Universe coming to us. It's going to be such a hot Before the combo. end of February. Uh, all right. That's it, everybody. Thank, Thank you, you guys. Bye. Musical the movie, the podcast. Musical the movie, the podcast. Musical the movie, the podcast. With Andy and Steph. Phone dome.